we are in Hebrews chapter 13 uh, today and, and next week. Lord willing will be our wrap-up of Hebrews. And as the writer of Hebrews, whoever he or she is, uh, begins to wrap this, this sermon up, and it is a sermon. It does not flow like a book. It doesn't flow like one of the epistles, that church word we use for letters from an apostle. It, it is, um, it's a sermon. It has points and it has a conclusion. But now the conclusion's really been reached in the main in chapter 12. So while the, the minister here, the preacher of this sermon has your attention, they want to pepper you with instructions on what to do with the information you've already received. In uh, educational circles, you might call this the practical application. Now that we know this, so what? So to review, we have received clear teaching that we must rearrange all of our heroes. All of our heroes have to be resorted to make sure Jesus is at the top and he stays at the top, always. And that's, that's above anything else. Then the highest of heroes, our greatest of Lord and King of Kings, does have others who have been part of this journey. And so, of course, we honor Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Of course, we, order, we, we honor the, uh, the chosen people and what they did and how they brought these books to us and how from them came our Lord. We're going to read our Old Testament. We're going to learn from it. But when we want to know how to mirror heaven on earth, we need to focus on Jesus. When we need to understand who and what we are, we need to focus on Jesus. And that's the huge main point of the book of Hebrews. So what does that look like to be an outpost of heaven? What does it, what does it look like? Well, Hebrews chapter 13, 1, a little deeper than you might think. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Love one another as brothers and sisters. Now, Jesus expanded this quite a bit to include strangers and enemies. Frankly, I wish he hadn't. It is far, I may as well be honest about it, right? It's far easier to love the ones you already love. But then whenever he says love the strangers, ah, they're kind of strange, but you're supposed to love them. And then you're supposed to love your enemies. And oh yeah, it is. <laughs> and there's no need to be pointing. We all know you've got them, right? Um, it's just, it is a pain. And, and now to some of you, it is not. You wake up in the morning singing hymns. Uh, you are, uh, Bible verses are falling from your body as you move through the house. I want you to know the rest of us do not like you. <laughs> but we're required to love you. So we will, with great reluctance and a bit of a smirk. But we will love you. God doesn't want the smirk. He wants a whole heart. This is hard work, brothers and sisters. If we want to reflect heaven, we've got to follow Jesus' lead here. And that's a difficult lead. But there's something more here. There's another weighty matter in there that we need to address. We need to love each other as brothers and sisters. One of the things that the world has robbed from us is the ability to be friends. Friends across gender, across uh, the male-female divide in a non-sexual way. The world hates to see anyone 
say that that can happen. But to love somebody of the opposite sex and to, to admire them and to learn from them and to be friends with them and to share with them, absolutely aware when someone is in a covenant relationship, they will have rules about how and the when and the why. And they should. If you don't have any, it's time to make them. Actually, well past time. And one of the things I do whenever I'm a friend with, with a woman is I will ask, where are the lines for you? But I will also tell them, here's where our lines are. This is what we do. It's important to know those. So I'm not giving you carte blanche, guys, to say to your wife, well, he said I could be buddies. We're going to go to the movies. Stop it. No. But we need to be able to be friends and hear each other and honor each other in a non-sexual way. And the world hates it. There was a movie 30 years ago uh, when Harry met Sally that was all about it's impossible. Two people that claimed it is this, it's possible and found out, oh, it isn't possible. Yeah, it is. But the world loves to agree with that film and keeps pummeling us with sexual stories, sexual ads, sexual ideas. This is not new. You can go on to Facebook, those of you that still have it, so anybody under 20 is probably out. Uh, if you go, there's a, there's a Facebook page that I really enjoy called Ads from the 1960s and 70s. Friends, they are horrific beyond imagination. They really are. They are, they are racist, they are sexist, they are misogynist, and it's, it's a good entertaining thing to go through there and say, well, we don't do that anymore. But even back then, they were trying to use sex to sell. Weren't as blatant as they can be now, but they were doing their best. This isn't new. We have to find a way to love each other with that mutual admiration. Gentlemen, young men, women are people. They are not prey to be hunted. They are not someone to insinuate yourself into their life so that you may get your pleasures as you will. They are people made in the image of God. They are of the highest value. They are not to be set on a shelf as if they were a wee fragile porcelain figure. No, they are a person. And so we listen to them and we speak to them and we love them without subtext. Ladies, men are people. They are not prey. It is, it is true that women tend to not prey on men like men prey on women. There's, I, I think that that's a fair statement. I could be very wrong, but I think that's a very true statement. However, women can sometimes use men as their emotional punching bags and their verbal punching bags. I've been in many circles of women where they're all sitting around going, man, and going like this about the husbands. But you don't, whenever men go on men's retreat, they don't do that about women. They really don't. I know that may be a shocker for you. But whenever they're asked, you know, whenever we start talking about women, it's always with respect and a desire to honor our wives better. And so, ladies, let's be careful about what we say. There is, in fact, um, well, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to it. Let's just put it here. Bottom line, sexual immorality, even when it's just mental, uh, eventually manifests, and it splits churches, it splits family, and it makes the devil clap with glee. Please 
make it your daily goal to make the devil cry. One of my great friends, Terry Rush, is retired now out in Tulsa. Uh, and I know what you're thinking. Wow, I'd like to retire in Tulsa. But there you are. He did. He did. Um, he lived his life there and he's retired in Tulsa. And I, I have a lot of people listening from Tulsa. I will be receiving emails. But Terry said he wants to live his life every day that when he wakes up, the devil goes, oh no, he's awake. I love that line. I really did. Love one another, but draw your lines. Mutual respect. Leave the sexuality out of it. Hebrews 13.4, we're skipping down a bit because we're going to come back. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and, uh, adulterer and the sexually immoral. Notice it said adulterer and the sexually immoral, and this has given some uh, American speakers, well, any speakers of modern English, uh, a real struggle, because they're saying, isn't that the same thing? Actually, it isn't. The word adultery in Scripture generally does mean a sexual sin. However, it's bigger. In every list of sexual sins, sexual sin is listed separate from adultery. Why? Because adultery is the breaking of covenant. For example, God said, do not go make a covenant with Egypt. Israel ran down, or Judah ran down and made a covenant with Egypt. He said, you have committed adultery against me. God said, do not make idols. They made idols. He said, you've committed adultery with wood and stone. Adultery is the breaking of covenant. And God says, no. No, you, you keep your word. You keep your covenant. Covenant can be broken. There is no question. It can be, covenant, it can be broken by sexual sin, by abuse, by violence, by desertion. But we are not to join in the way that the world treats marriage. As if it was disposable. Almost as if it's a permanent tryout. It's more like, more like an engagement, as in, we're, we're kind of committed, but we're keeping our options. No, no. That's not the way we treat our covenant with each other or with God. There's an odd passage, and here's where I wanted to go a while ago, and I said, no, nah, not yet. There's an odd passage in 1 Corinthians 11. We're not going to read it. If you've read it before, you, be, you would start wondering, and what does this mean? Because it talks about hats and hair is what it, you think. When I was a, a young man, they used this quite a bit. Um, and it was, it was very confusing because they would use it against the men with hair, but they didn't require the ladies to wear hats. Now, some of the churches in Scotland, for example, they, their women did require a head covering, but it didn't. It was like a doily. And, and I, they would, I'd ask, all right, what, why do they have to wear this? Well, they have to keep their head covered. And I'm going, well, that's... That's not even a good start right there. Um, I'm not sure. And, I, and it was because I was confused. They were confused at what Paul's talking about. Well, you're going to find people arguing all about this. But here is really where it comes down to. A woman is to cover herself. And he talks about the husband. She's not to go about misspeaking of her husband. She's not going to go about... Um, I'm, I, honey, I'm running. I'm using the word slagging in my head. I'm trying to find an English word for slagging. You, know, you don't know slagging, do you? Uh, speaking ill of, making fun of, revealing his secrets that shouldn't be revealed. 
you know, um, this is not like, um, you know, well, we shouldn't tell anybody he killed someone and hid the body. That's not it. It's more like, here's an example. There's a minister that I have read frequently through the years and found great benefit in what she has written. Some of the things she has written have troubled me. Others have enlightened me. But recently she divorced her husband and married another guy and wrote a book about it uh, in which she criticizes her first husband for not being able to sexually satisfy her. And I'm going, what? Even, even if you're going to do this, you don't write about it. You don't throw it in. And that's what we're talking about. But the, the husband is not to act like Jesus is not present. He doesn't cover his head. When he works and, and deals with his wife, he is to fully acknowledge that God is in the room. And this is one of his daughters. We don't cover our head. I Cammy knows stuff about me that would get me in all sorts of trouble. Again, not legal. Come on. Uh, it's, 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 it's the faults it, that I've got and the sins that I've got. And I like, she knows that sort of thing, but she also knows that I'm, I'm trying to keep Jesus uncovered. I try to show Jesus. So we work together. He's saying, be very careful. As mirrors of heaven, as temples and priests, our job is to show kindness, show love, show respect to the covenant we made with God and with each other. To show kindness and grace to the poor and to strangers. In the day of this sermon, many Christians are being imprisoned for their faith. You see, people would walk by banners every day that would say, Caesar is Lord. And Caesar is God. And Christians would disagree. And disagreeing was deeply unpopular and sometimes even dangerous it's a little bit early for it to be as dangerous as it's going to get when Hebrews is written. But even at that time, you were expected to go through the rituals. You were expected to be a good patriot. Um, I don't know if that word is exactly the right word there, but to be a good patriot to Rome and to go through the ritual sacrifices at sporting events, at businesses, uh, in communities. It was all considered if you're a good person and you're with the community, this is what you do. And Christians opted out and became marked by it. Borderline treasonous, if not treasonous itself. If you visited a prisoner, you were associated with that prisoner. Who came to see this person? Who would dare to encourage somebody who has troubled the empire? It's, it, was, it was tough. And so the writer of Hebrews calls us to, um, to step up and take risk. Let's do Hebrews 2 and 3, 13, 2 and 3. And then we're going to slide right into 4 through 6, please. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I love that passage. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money. This isn't getting any easier, is it? It's God, following Jesus has cost. 
and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Wow. I can remember Cami and I were uh, in Panama. We had, uh, just for the day, we were, we were on a cruise and they drop you off there. And as the bus was going by, there was this horrible looking massive structure and people sitting all in front big crowds of people sitting in front of it nobody looking happy and the bus tour guy said that's the prison and I'm looking at going well they're out uh that you know it's it's an inefficient prison uh and they they said no those are the families of the prisoners that are waiting to bring them food and clothing because when you're in prison in Panama you don't get food unless somebody brings it to you. Now, that was the first time I'd heard of that. This was years and years ago. So I started looking in many places all over the globe today. If you don't have somebody that brings you food and clothing, you won't have it. Even You have to fight and die for it if you can scrap and kill somebody for it in, in prison. That's what Rome's prisons were like. Therefore, he's saying, you go and you take them food. If you're eating they're eating. If you have clothes, they have clothes. Step it up and take the risk of being painted with the same brush as the one in prison. We are not called to believe in God and be happy. We are called to, be, to believe in God, to reflect Jesus, step out in faith, and take the hit. Because there will be a hit. Be giving people. Be a generous people. The, the writer reminds us we're all pilgrims. We're not plantation owners. We are pilgrims. We are travelers. We do not stay and feather our nest. And I have, it's what a weird expression. And, uh, and then build our own little empire. No, 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 no. We share and we give. As a people who believe that we're not going to be here that long. And heaven will last longer. We invest there instead. I got to tell you something. It's easier for me to allow the money to leave me and go to another who has a greater need than it is to receive. I can remember once Cami and I were across in a desperately poor section of Glasgow, Scotland, and the Browns, a newly married family, asked us to come and have, have tea with them, which means you're, you're eating your supper. It's dinner. And so we came. And they were so excited to, to uh, care for their guest from America. There was a big bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. And there was a two liter of Coca-Cola. Now, I had a hard time enjoying the meal. Because I knew what they had paid. And I knew they needed that money. I fretted about that for so long. And by the way, I've had people come repeatedly to me, so you don't need to, to say, Patrick, they needed to give. That's the point. I know that. But I, I, it just touches, doesn't it? It just, it just breaks your heart. I, I can remember a poor family we went to see in Appalachia. My father was very struck with the poverty. I, I, I won't try to describe it, just it's, it was awful. And he asked the lady there that was a single mom to all these little kids 
uh, not of her own volition. The man had been a jerk. And if you've never heard a minister call people a jerk before, that's because some ministers went to school to train themselves not to use words. But if you practice jerkitude, you, you are. And, and jerkitude is a word. I just wordified it. There it is. English moves, it grows, it changes, embrace it. Um, and my dad was touched, and he said, if I were to give you $50, what would you do with it? Well, my jaw about hit the floor, because my dad didn't part with money. I, he opened his wallet, George Washington blinked, he hadn't seen the light in so long. So I was, <laughs> I was wondering what this is about. I'll never forget the woman looked around, and she goes, well, I guess I just give it to some people that need it. That woman shames me to this very day. She does. She didn't mean to, but she does. We need to be the kind, we need to be like the Browns in Scotland, and we need to be like that lady. We have God. If we become poor and hungry because of our love of God, our suffering will not be forever. One of the, one of the phrases that God loves to use in the Bible is, and it came to pass, because it always does. Yeah. They're hard words, but it was a very hard time. The last verses for today, seven, and then I'm dropping to 17, 18, and then we'll come back and grab the intervening bets next week. Remember your leaders. Stephen Wood, thank you so much for mentioning them at the table. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. By the way, I just want to say, the outcome of their way of life we usually read to mean, look at how well they're doing with Jesus. No, it might have been burning, prison, stoned, shamed, poverty. And he's saying, follow anyway. Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. It is a dangerous job because you have to stand before God one day. How did you treat his kids? By the way, that goes the same for that uh, opposite sex friendship thing. Uh, Or in marriage. I remember at all times, I keep it very firmly fixed in my head, that Cammie is a daughter of God, and I'm going to have to talk to God one day. Not in the prayer thing, but like face to face. And I want, when he looks at me and goes, how'd you treat my daughter? I want to be able to go, perfect. In every way. Don't talk to her. She's, she's a liar. But me, I am. And Cammie treats me as a son of God. And she really does. We have a daughter. We have a son. You mistreat them. It hurts us. We don't want to hurt God. So we treat each other as brothers and sisters. Daughters and sons. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. As far as I know, this does not occur in this congregation. I've been here just um, five and a half years or so. Most churches that I go to have a group. And they will go to their favorite shepherd because that shepherd will listen to him. And they'll say, a lot of us are unhappy about this. And we want this changed. Then the shepherd will bring it to the elder saying, I'm told a whole lot of people you know, are really upset about this. There are so many things wrong with that. 
First of all, read the Old Testament. What does God do to murmurers, complainers, and whiners? You do not want that to happen to you. That's a bad one. Read Romans 12. Read 1 Corinthians 12. The list of the gifts of God, his spiritual gifts to you. None of them are whining, complaining, judging. None. God just doesn't tolerate. Don't make God stop this car. Because he will. And he's not like my dad. My dad would just stick his arm in the back and anybody in range got it. God knows who said it and he's coming for you. Don't do that. We don't complain. We don't whine. And by the way, again, I don't believe this happens here. I've had to talk to elders before who said, well, I feel like that's my duty to. I said, then you're not the shepherd. You're the messenger boy for the shepherd. Because you're letting them direct the church. Rather than you stopping the complaint and doing the teaching on the spot. Now, we're supposed to make their job a joy. I don't ever want to be the kind of person, and sometimes I probably am, but I don't want to be ever the kind of person that when one of my shepherds sees me come and they go, oh boy. No, I want it to be a joy. I want working at 4th Avenue to be just a hoot and a half. Sometimes even approaching that rare and elusive double hoot. I want it to be a joy. I do some things well, but I shake my head and wonder at the dedication that shepherds have. The amount of meetings they go to, some of them I have to go to. And I can, I can go into a complete coma. They'll bring out a spreadsheet, you know, and, and later on I find I've volunteered to do stuff. They, they work, they pray, they reach out, they love you. Let's determine that through this process and even beyond, new guys, old guys, however it works, we're going to treat them with honor and love and pray for them by name. We're going to make sure we hold their hands up. They need prayer. Satan hates them. You know, he, he hates me. I think I could give you examples of, of Satan coming after Cammy or me, but I don't need to because you understand all that, right? And, you, and, it's, and it's happened to you. We're not special. But what is necessary is a prayer, not only for the shepherds, but prayers of thanks for those who taught you along the way. I don't remember a single one of their names, but I pray thanking God for those little gray-haired ladies in damp church basements that taught me the stories. They're, they're really why I'm here. They, I, I don't ever want to disappoint them. They told me the stories. Be the kind of person who helps the church heal and be strong. I want to tell you a little story, uh, and, and then we'll start the old wrap-up thing here. Um, the, um, if I, see, if I was a preacher that had gone to school, I would have called it the conclusion, but the wrap-up thing. Um, I was working in West Virginia for nine years, I think, nine, um, about, something like that. doesn't matter, does it? Um, been there for a long time. We loved the people. And I knew that I was getting attacked in pulpits all over. And I knew that one guy wrote a book about me, <laughs> and self-published. And I, I, I got a hold of a copy of it, read it, and looked at my wife. And I said, well, he's, he's got a point. Um, you know, almost everything in here, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, I, 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 I do say this. 
but one of my elders found out about it years after it started, and they were, they were a little disappointed in me that I didn't tell them day one. And they said, well, where does this guy work? And one of them knew he worked in a neighboring state. And so several of the elders said, we're going to be there next Sunday. And I just looked at them and said, excuse me? They said, we're going to go over and talk to his elders and say, by what right do you say these things? By what right do you do these things? By what right do you uh, violate autonomy and the rules of, of the Lord by doing these things? And I was just stunned. I didn't know what to do. Uh, and Charlie Morris, one of my favorite guys, and so I got to name him, one of our elders, reached over and patted me on the leg. Doesn't happen often. I, I, I jumped a bit. But he patted me on the leg, and he said, Patrick, one of our jobs is to make sure you can do your job. If I wasn't such a strict monotheist, I'd have an altar to Charlie in my house. I love him. And make leadership a joy. Would you bring your team up, please? And it's always a wee bit of dance at the turnstile here, but I'll move it on down. And would all of us please stand as we just bring this to a close. Please remember those in pain and grief and those worried who haven't lost a family member, but their family member is not well. Remember them. It has been a flood this week, and those people need your love and prayers and your touch and your hug and your acts of concern. We are to be mirrors of heaven, and that's really what Hebrews 13 is all about. If Jesus Christ is where he is supposed to be in our hearts, our minds, and our, our lives... Make joy a central part of your life regardless of what else is happening. For whatever else is happening, it will pass. He will not, and neither will you. Make it your joy to bring joys, joy to the others in front of you this week, regardless of who they are, friend, enemy, stranger. Be a conduit of the joy, grace, and love of heaven because our Lord of Lords, our King of Kings is Jesus Christ. Amen.